folks. Welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Amers. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 17 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast from fluentlanguage.co.uk. My name, as always, is Kirsten Hammers, and today I will present to you a great article of the week. Make me laugh so much, so I can't wait to chat to you about that one. Um, also, our new sponsor, and give you a little bit of information about those guys. And ultimately, we have a guest that you are going to love. Um, she's an English teacher. She spent a lot of time teaching in Japan, uh, is an American lady herself and has traveled to Vietnam, has traveled to Cambodia, has traveled around East Asia. And I'm going to ask her about all of her traveling and online teaching tips. So uh, it's a packed show for you. And let's not delay and tell you a little bit about our two sponsors and my first sponsor that i want to mention to you is you uh, as you might be aware this podcast is supported by its own listeners and that plays a big part in keeping us going or keeping me going really me and uh, the fiance who edits the show <laughs> and the address that you have to go to or ask you to just type this in your browser or click in the show notes it is patreon p-a-t-r-e-n dot com slash fluent language which is where you can see a few options for pledging to support the podcast we have two supporters to give a shout out this month and they are Afnan Linjavi and Eric Sidovieski from Palermo he's the mayor of Palermo um, and I say thank you so much to you guys for supporting now my big name big wig supporters uh, are my, one of my favorite language products. I really can't, I'm excited to tell you about those. So imagine this, you've started learning a language, you're about three weeks in, you're incredibly excited, you filled about five notebooks and you completely fizzle out and run out of excitement. The momentum is gone. And I'll tell you what, momentum is the key to learning a language and there's this thing that I recommend to lots of my students. I really, really like these because they're colorful and they're fun. And these things are called flash sticks. Flash sticks are language post-it notes. Um, they're original post-it notes from the post-it note company. So they're not going to fall off your mirror anytime soon. Every note, you open it up. Every note has a unique word to learn. They come in four colors and you can simply stick them up all around you. Basically, wherever you spend time during your day, uh, don't put it in the windscreen in your car because you might crash into something. So as far as health and safety permit, just put these anywhere. Put these anywhere. Every note is color coded. Pink is for feminine, blue is for masculine, green is for adjectives, I've got them in front of me here, and there's also the neuter nouns, and then they're a beautiful sunny shade of yellow. Now, you may think, oh, that sounds amazing, but my problem is pronunciation. I can read words, I can spell words, whatever. If you have a problem with pronunciation, they've thought of that, no problem. Download the free Flash Sticks app, and when you hover a smartphone or tablet over any note, any note, a native tutor will pop up like out of nowhere and I'm going to read the word out for you. Now, earlier today, these are my flash sticks. I put a, I put a little call out on Facebook and I asked you guys, what's your favorite color out of the flash sticks colors? And the person who came in first and picked the color for this week is Rosius Crafts. And she picked pink, cute little pink. So 
The word we're looking at today in German is a feminine noun. Word of the week as sponsored by flashsticks.com is die Rolltreppe. German for escalator. It's a feminine noun. Let's pronounce it again. Die Rolltreppe. And as German is this beautiful language that just describes everything very literally, <laughs> Rolltreppe means uh, the rolling stairs. <laughs> That's in English escalator. Flashsticks cover a variety of languages. They start from as little as $4.99 in pounds, not dollars. If you use the code Kirsten10 at checkout, you'll also receive an extra 10% off your purchase and they will know that I sent you. And that's really important for keeping the podcast, the creative language learning podcast going. So please head over to flashsticks.com. And if you happen to put something in your shopping cart, just type in Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, 10, and they're going to give you 10% off. Thank you very much to Flashsticks. And moving on to our article of the week. Welcome to the article of the week. Now, you guys know that I love grabbing your attention and telling you what's going on on the internet um, in relation to language learning. And the article that I have for you today is not about many, many reasons why we should learn a language. It's not about the benefits of learning a language. It's the opposite. This is an article, <laughs> and it's so beautiful. This is an article to show you what happens when you don't learn languages and what can go wrong. And this, uh, the very, very simple summary, and I think the number one reason why everybody should learn a language is, is so beautifully summarized in this article. Now imagine this. You're a sports reporter. You're really into football. Your whole country is really into football. You are highly paid. You work for one of the leading newspapers in the country. And your boss says to you, hey, we've just heard that one of Germany's most important football managers, he is hot property on the market and he has just decided to quit. Ooh. Now, Borussia Dortmund confirm that Jurgen Klopp Big German football manager will leave the club on July the 1st. This is incredible. Ben Bloom, sports reporter extraordinaire from The Telegraph, sits down to report this press conference as it happens, minute by minute, live updates from The Telegraph. Thousands of people are watching this website. They want to know, why is the guy leaving? What's happening? Where is he going next? So Ben Bloom gets going. 12.34, Klopp has just sat down to face the media. 12.37, I'm just going to read you out some of these updates. I'm going to try and not fall over laughing. <laughs> it's beautiful. It says, right, we have a slight issue. They are speaking German, and my GCSE in the subject is not much help. What I can deduce is that the bloke currently speaking genuinely sounds like someone has died. He's properly choked. Oh, he just said fantastic. I guess he wasn't describing Klopp's decision to leave the club. 12.39. Why can't I speak German? 12.41 I'd, I'd love to tell you what Klopp is saying. He is saying a lot, but I can understand precisely none of it. So here is a photo of him pouring some water instead. 12.44 I have a couple of translations coming through. There is no way of verifying this. I don't know how correct these sentences are. I'm rapidly realizing that I am as close to useless right now as I have ever been in my life. 
So, in lieu of someone with any semblance of knowledge of the German language, I shall now consider what we know. Klopp is not tired. He has not con had contact with any other club. He has not planned a sabbatical. I don't have any other information. 1256. All capital letters. Imagine this reporter has now sat there, live reporting a press conference for half an hour, of which he has no understanding whatsoever. He just says, why don't we have a universal language across the globe? Don't tell my boss I can't speak German. Everybody's laughing. I don't know what they're laughing about. Someone tweeted me a how to learn German in 60 seconds video. It doesn't work. It's finished. Everybody said thank you and left. What do I do now? Ah! And this is what happened. This is what happened in real life. So I have actually just read you an article by Ben Bloom. Ben Bloom has been an internet sensation for his very um, unusual and unhelpful uh, reporting of languages becoming one of the most important parts of a job that you never thought there were going to be a, a, a job of. And this is just to remind you, I thought I wanted to bring out this article to illustrate how important language learning can become in the most unexpected moments. You might not be going on holiday, you might not be traveling the world, you might just be sitting at home wanting to understand something, wanting to learn more about things from the perspective of the people experiencing them. And if you can't hear why this football manager has quit his job from the football manager himself and you need to hear it through a translator, you're losing part of what he's actually saying. You can't understand the guy and you so badly want to. And for anyone who is currently stuck learning a language, if you are perhaps having school lessons and you're taking an A-level or you're taking AP um, or you're preparing for the IELTS test and it's all getting a bit too much and you're really frustrated, I just wanted to connect with you guys today and say, look what happened to Ben Bloom. Look what happened to this guy. <laughs> it's not about German, it's about languages in general. We don't have a universal language across the globe and I think that is a good thing. I have recently read the book through the language glass, which I'm going to put in the show notes for you as well. And in that book, Guy Deutscher, the author, he really he really emphasized how important it is that we remember people are different. We had to have a universe we do not have a universal language. We do not have a universal human across the globe. We are not all the same. We are on this earth to be tolerant, to open our minds to each other and to work together. And for me, this is one of the most important messages of situations like that, as funny as they are, and as much as I feel for Ben Bloom. Dude, you should have learned some German. <laughs> and if you want to take lessons, I'll be very happy to take you on. Just head to fluentlanguage.co.uk. <laughs> Article of the week, Jürgen Klopp to quit Borussia Dortmund. And from that slightly left field article, I know I keep picking them, um, I'm going to now move on to my interview with a guest who can tell you a lot about what it's like to travel the world and open her mind exactly like we have discussed to all these different other people and to experience and enrich her own life through online teaching of languages. Gabby Wallace is my guest. She's from Go Natural English. She's got a whole bunch of online courses that people can take if they want to study English. And Gabby's methods and Gabby's attitudes are really 
progressive, modern and so open-minded. She's a great person to talk to, so I will not withhold this any longer. Let's go straight to the interview. All right. All right, I'm here with the one and only Gabby Wallace. Um, well, hello. <laughs> hello there. Hi, Gabby. And um, I mean, we, we talk regularly, but I'm really pleased to have you on the podcast because you're you have a very interesting... Um, two aspects really that I think make you interesting for the creative language learning podcast number one is that you're an English teacher um, and I don't actually have a lot of English teachers um, that I interview um, and but you have very interesting methods you use video and we're gonna you get to that later uh, and number two is your incredible location independence so Ooh, yeah yes. I, I, it's very admirable I think it's something that a lot of people are curious about and wondering how that can really work yeah. so well I'm just tickled pink to be here with you Kirsten I'm very excited to share a little bit and you know I will just um, have fun talking with you answering any questions you have I'd love to just share with others who might be interested in language teaching and also location independence meaning you travel and work from anywhere mm, yes and you're did you where, where are you now let's start with that I am in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I spoke I... to you three days ago and you were in Singapore. Singapore. <laughs> That's amazing. So the, it's just about an hour flight apart. You could actually take a bus in about six hours, but I flew. Um, and I, I was just going to stay in Singapore for a week, but then I realized that Kuala Lumpur was so close and I really was interested in seeing the city. So I thought, okay, you know what? I will cut out three days from Singapore and come down to Kuala Lumpur. And I'm so glad I could do that. I really am enjoying it here. I mean, I wish I could stay longer, um, but I'm just grateful I have these three days to explore the city. Yeah, it sounds great. And um, what, yeah. what do people speak in Malaysia? Oh, you caught me. Um, hang on. I want to say Malay, but I think that's like the cultural name. Let me Google really quick Malaysia language. I mean, they speak... She's good. Perfect. Yeah. They, <laughs> this is so bad. Um, oh, Malaysian. It says the official language is Malaysian. I was right. All right. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, people do speak excellent English in general here. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, and Malaysian. And there's quite a few people who speak Arabic as well. Perhaps those are people coming in from different countries. Um, it's really an interesting mix of different cultures here, like Arabic and Indian and Malay and just so cool. Mm -hmm. And okay, so what about you? Let's kind of cycle yeah. back to yeah, yeah. where are you originally from? And how did you end up teaching English in East Asia? Right. So I was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the United States of America. It's the Midwest, kind of, you know, a nice city, but just, um, yeah, in the middle of the country. Not, you know, not too exotic, at least to me anyway. Um, and I lived in Boston for about 10 years most recently. I moved around a little bit growing up, but that's kind of another story. And it was always in the U.S. So I ended up teaching English because... I decided I wanted to be able to travel the world. That was always my passion, like from a very young age. And I, from what I knew of the world, I saw that you could, you know, teach abroad. I saw some people doing that. And well, for a while I was going back and forth between, should I try to be an international diplomat or be uh, an English teacher? And teaching jobs came 
easily to me. So mm-hmm. I was just basically I was thrown teaching jobs just they were thrown to me in my lap, you know, from um, even from the time I was like 17 years old, I was teaching school. And so I thought, okay, maybe this teaching thing is for me. So I'll just go with that. And um, so I got my degree in teaching English and ended up teaching in Japan for a few years, teaching all different kinds of classes in private language schools and at universities and even in a corporation. So I did some corporate training. Uh, But I ended up leaving those jobs to work for myself. So I don't know if I should jump right into that or if you wanted to know more about my background. Yeah, I'm curious about a few more things. Um, Yeah. Especially if you say you wanted to travel the world. I think we've really got that in common as well. I remember going for... Um, when I was 18 and I had literally lived in a thousand people village ever that was like my one thing Um, and after the German Abitur which is uh, you know like 12 years of schooling 13 years of schooling I applied for uh, the admin track of the foreign office the foreign office service and I got through to the interview round so there's about three rounds of testing whether you're smart and stuff turns out I'm smart (laughs) 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 and um, but then I, I got through to the interview track and very quickly they realized this person's never really left anywhere (laughs) and I think I think that was like there's there was a real level of they kind of thought oh we can't drop this 18 year old into like the training that we have but part of what part of for me the escapism and the opening up the world to me um as I was growing up was learning lots and lots of other languages and I'm wondering if that if you felt like that too if you also learned a lot of languages as a teenager and um, sort of maybe in your 20s that or you are in your 20s <clears throat> that uh, motivates not anymore actually oh. but oh nobody needs to know that no <laughs> edit that out <laughs> uh, in, uh, as a teenager <clears throat> yeah <laughs> But but you you also learned a lot of languages because there was just this real sense that there's a world out there. Give me the world. Yeah, that's a really cool question. Um, I think one of the big moments that sort of um, inspired me to travel was my family and I at 10 years old, I actually moved to Hawaii from Minnesota. And Hawaii is still technically in the United States, but it's out in the Pacific Ocean and it really in many ways, it feels like its own country. I mean, it only became part of the U.S. in 1961. Um, I hope I'm right about that, but 59 or 61. Um, But they have their own language, their own culture. They had a queen up until, you know, the mid-1900s. So... I mean, yeah, the 1950s, 19, uh, early 1960s, they had a queen. So wow. they have this this whole like foreign culture. And that's what really made me interested in starting to learn. Um, I took, you know, Hawaiian classes in that year of school. And I, I don't remember very much. But from that point on, I remember, you know, wanting to learn other languages. I didn't really have a whole lot of opportunity. But like most American middle school students, I had the chance to select Latin or French or Spanish. And I selected Latin, which I was told would give me a good base or, you know, to learn the roots of language. And and I'm kind of glad I did that. But awesome. What a smart lady. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, I think Latin is a very smart choice, but the problem is in our school system. And that is a whole nother topic. But I feel like I didn't really learn any language. I actually studied 
a couple years of Latin, a couple years of French, a couple years of Spanish in school. So in middle school, high school, college. Yes. But I didn't learn how to speak. So I sort of, I took matters into my own hands at around 20 years old. By 20 years old, I still could not have a conversation. I couldn't even make a full sentence in any language besides English. This is something, okay, this, oh, to me, this is like, what? But I hear this from so many Brits and Americans, and particularly Americans, it surprises me because the consistent message that I hear is we didn't speak in school. Right. And I mean, what did you do? What did you do if you didn't speak? I'm just like, what? I think there is speaking, but it's classroom speaking. It's, it's that kind of yeah. environment where you uh-huh. can survive in the classroom with, you know, um, classroom language, like saying, yes, no, may I go to the bathroom, mm. uh, that kind of thing, or turn to page, blah, blah. But no discussions. But, mm, minimally. And oh. um, I was actually kind of shy. You know, I've, I've really pushed myself to be outgoing because of language learning. Um, but what I want to say is once you get out of the classroom and into the real world, I just, I couldn't survive. It was like, you know, putting a little goldfish who is like perfectly successful in this little bowl <laughs> out into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my gosh, now I have to figure out, you know, everything out here in the wild. And, you know, take French, for example. Like I felt pretty confident in my French class, like answering grammar questions, filling in the blanks. But you know, when I visited Paris, I could barely ask, you know, où est la station? Like, where is the station? And I felt so proud I could even utter that, you know? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's and very it's, different. You feel so proud, isn't it? And then it's always, oh my God, they're answering and I don't understand a word. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's that, just like, they, well, why I like asking for directions is people usually motion with their arms too. So I'm like, yes, I can get arm <laughs> motion. That's true. So what interests me about this is um, when you, when you, because you say you took to teaching very naturally and, and language yeah. teaching in particular. So twofold question really, um, because you first ended up in a classroom and I imagine it was a very regimented way of teaching where you didn't really have the freedom. But what yeah. surprised you about how people learn languages? What did you expect teaching to be like from your own learning experience and how how are you doing it better um sorry that's about four questions that's okay I just think bottom line it always comes down to motivation so I remember I taught Spanish for a few years in high school in the U.S. and I had a very wide range of abilities in class and what I noticed is the students that were really becoming fluent were the ones that had sort of an intrinsic motivation to learn. Like they were interested in the culture or they're interested in um, just the language itself or they really wanted to be able to communicate with different people. And I had other students who didn't really understand the value of learning Spanish. I mean, I even had a student who said something to the effect of, well, why should I learn Spanish? I can only talk to my maid if I learn Spanish. And I was like, um, excuse me, do you know how much of the world speaks Spanish? And that is so offensive. <laughs> like, so it's just... Um, it shows, well, it goes back to languages open your perspective on the world. Exactly. Or at least they bloody well, should. Well, and, and vice versa. Like, you have to open your perspective 
in order to become motivated to learn the language, but, but vice versa. Yes. Like you learn the language and then you realize also, oh my gosh, all these people out there can communicate in this language and I can learn so much and it just opens your worldview. So, you know, if, if I could open any, any minds at that school, I hope I did. <laughs> and what about the differences between teaching in the USA and teaching in Japan? Yeah, well, in the USA, I was teaching in a high school. In Japan, for the most part, I was teaching in a corporation and then also in a university. So just the different institutions were really different. But um, I would say it's it's really hard to generalize, first of all, because just the experience was so different. I think in Japan, students tend to be a bit more reserved, you know, speaking from like my American cultural point of view where, you know, in our classes, we're expected to have discussions and just mm -hmm. ask questions without even raising our hands that would probably be seen as weird or rude in a Japanese classroom. So just the norms are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, maybe the, the way people study, like I, I feel like Japanese students are very studious, you know, given if they have the time and they're making language learning a priority, um, but they kind of might keep it all inside, you know, like it's there. They're very smart and studious and detail oriented and they've got amazing grammar and vocabulary. Like I remember one student I had just to share a quick story. I was working with some um, scientists actually and I, I just asked her, I just was trying to make small talk. And I said, you know, how are you doing? And she said, well, my homeostasis has been changing re re recently. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I think she just meant to say that the weather was changing and, you know, temperature was changing. But I thought that was the funniest thing ever because we needed to work on just small talk, not science talk. That's true, yeah, and and uh, again, something that keeps coming up in in um, in my my teaching because I teach one to one, and one of the biggest dreams, and you know, my blog is called Fluent, and one of the biggest dreams people have is to be fluent, and that's why I called it that because I thought, what do people really want out of languages? But fluent isn't fluent. Homeostasis fluent isn't small talk fluent. Right, and that's something I I want to emphasize. So there's two things I'm hearing from what you're saying that I want to highlight perhaps uh, for listeners listeners to this podcast who a lot of them are self-teaching a lot of them may not go to a class right now or they may just you know like be trying to challenge themselves to to stay committed and the two things I was kind of hearing that combine perhaps the best of Japan with the best of USA is mm. discipline and sharing mm -hmm. absolutely so those Ab two absolutely. you need both don't you you do. You need discipline. You need structure, whether, you know, you can give that to yourself as an independent learner or perhaps if you're working with a tutor or a teacher or a language coach who can help you with that structure. It's mm -hmm. really important to be consistent and disciplined about language learning, even if it's just 15 minutes a day that you're pushing yourself to read something or listen to something, to have that input, and then also using it throughout the day, like thinking in the language. You know, if you don't have anyone to speak to, I don't think that's a valid excuse because you can think in the language, you can sing to yourself, or you can, you know, talk to yourself. Yes, it might seem crazy, but it doesn't matter. If your goal is to learn, like be disciplined about it, make yourself use it. And then yeah. sharing. Yeah. So sharing 
you know, ideally you could find someone to share the language with who speaks the language you're learning. Um, or if you don't, then there's a lot of other ways to share. Like you could create a blog or I don't know, maybe some even, um, easier kind of content, like quotes that you post on Facebook in your target language or, you know, just little ways of sharing too. And I mean, talking to someone, talking to not just a tutor, but also participating in a language exchange, to me, that's sharing, yeah. that's opening up. And the idea of sharing is to make yourself a little bit vulnerable. So you have that discipline, which is almost your self-protection, but you have to have that kind of the sharing you have to open yourself totally. up a little bit it's difficult this language learning is difficult you know <laughs> I find actually you know we were talking the other day about an app that we tried and I told you it was kind of I thought it was silly because the first sentence I learned in the app was um ich bin eine Jungen or like I'm a I'm a boy ich but bin, ich bin ein Junge yeah oh du, Duolingo you. we were allowed to name yes. it yes okay <laughs> but I realized I can still remember that phrase from you know weeks after I used the app because I keep telling the story and I keep mm. sharing that information it's not that it's you know it is or it's not a great app I'm not really commenting on that but what I'm trying to say is like sharing and telling stories and repeating really helps. I really love that telling stories. And that yeah. kind of brings us very nicely to um, maybe after, after I tell you about uh, the sponsor, because I have to mention our sponsor and say yeah. thank you and shout out um, yeah. just for, for a few seconds. But after that, I want to talk to you about YouTube and your YouTube learning, because I think storytelling comes into it there as well. Um, totally. And that's how you teach now and how you work for yourself. So I'm dead curious about that. Yeah. Um, before I share or before Gabby shares her YouTube secrets with us, I just want to give a shout out to the Flash Sticks. You heard about them at the top of the show. Um, and they're our show sponsor at the moment. So if you are struggling with momentum, if you're in your house and you just kind of feel like it's very nice, but really I'm in America or really I'm in England or really I'm in, you know, I'm just in one place and you just want to liven up your um, environment a little bit. I would really recommend these. I love the idea of flash sticks. They are pre-printed language learning post-its. How good is that? Very cool. It, it is so awesome. They, they look so cool and they're just, you know, they're color coded to go with the gender of the word. Um, and the sort of green ones are like adjectives and verbs. So you've got that straight away. They've got a little picture on, a little pronunciation guide. And you can even buy British Sign Language ones. If you're interested in getting hold of the flash sticks, I strongly recommend. Um, or just checking it out or just supporting the podcast with absolutely no money investment. Just go to flashsticks.com slash Kirsten. And that's spelled K-E-R-S-T-I-N because I am the German. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and that's it for flash sticks. Beep, beep. Very <laughs> I'm cool. I'm still doing like noises. Beep beep. <laughs> okay, so YouTube, tell me about. Yeah. Like, I have made like six videos ever. So, um, except for my Udemy courses, but I'm not very right. YouTube active. So, what? Where do I start? What do you? What do you like about it? How did you start out uh, teaching on YouTube? And how do people use it? Yeah. When you say people, you mean learners? Learners. Okay. Well, I started out on YouTube four years ago. Well, 2011. So it was my sort of uh, 
outlet into the world. I did not have a business plan when I started posting videos on YouTube. I I started posting English tip videos. Uh, I was teaching English in Japan at that time. And I noticed that my, my students had common challenges. And I also noticed that they were asking me the same questions over and over, or I was telling them the same feedback over and over. Um, you know, I was focusing on each student, of course, and seeing their unique challenges and their unique skills, but I saw a lot of common challenges. Mm -hmm. So I decided, well, why don't I make a video to address, you know, one of these or to answer a question and post it on YouTube. And then I can tell my students to watch it. And I really just intended for my students to watch it. I didn't think that other people would really care, but uh, slowly after some time went by, I got, you know, a few views and then a few hundred views and then a few thousand views and, you know, getting feedback and comments from people, mostly really good. You know, there's always the haters out there, but I would say 99 out of a hundred comments were pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so it just encouraged me to keep going. And after, after a while, so I kept doing this on the side, right? I was always teaching English in a classroom face-to-face. -face. I kept doing this on the side, just thinking, okay, well, I don't know where this is going, but it's kind of fun and I like having this creative outlet. So I'll keep doing it and I'll keep learning and I'm learning skills. Like when you do it, you'll learn a lot um, about audio and video, whether you want to or not mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and technology. Um, yeah, so, just, just like podcasting. Yeah. Totally. Yes. Yeah, traditional yes. guy areas, I would say, I guess. Oh my gosh. Sort of no, I love it. Stuff, but it's like microphones and all this stuff. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, just on a quick side note, I used to be spending all my time with um, other you know, women because traditionally classroom teachers are you know, mostly female. But now that I'm in this sort of online entrepreneur um, social group, I guess, I'm usually the only female in the group. So just huge reversal, um, which mm -hmm. is cool in its own way. But anyways, sidetrack, um, YouTube. So after a couple of years on YouTube, because I was, you know, just moving slowly, doing it on the side, had no business plan. I started getting more and more requests for like organized content or a course. Um, oh, so sorry, back up a little bit. I started getting requests also for one-to-one -one lessons. So I started doing some one-to-one -one lessons online, people just coming to me, you know, through seeing my YouTube videos. Mm. I wasn't advertising at all, zero, nothing. I didn't even yeah. say I'd like to teach you online. I had people messaging me, you know, oh, I like your teaching on YouTube. Can you please be my tutor? So I was like, okay, cool. And, you know, we worked yeah. something out. And this is and, this is huge yeah. for uh, independent teachers. If someone is yeah. out there listening and I get this a lot from people saying, oh, I want to be an online teacher. Where do I where do I start? How do I advertise myself? And, you know, yeah. listen to this, Gabby gets students. And I have had this happen to me in the past as well, because we're sharing the right. passion of what we're doing. You get students, you are advertising without advertising. So much fun. Yeah, totally. You know what? In a blog post I just wrote for um, my my other site, Laptop Teacher, I sort of likened it to online dating. Like if you make a dating profile and you <laughs> just put it on your blog, is are people going to be like knocking your door down trying to message you to take you on a date? Like, I don't think so. If you want to do online dating, you go to an established site that has millions or billions of views a day and you share some information about yourself. You share like whatever 
you know, cute pictures and your profile. Um, so you're using a platform where there's a lot of traffic and that's exactly what YouTube is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. does that make sense? Like I'm not telling anyone to go, you know, try to date on YouTube. I'm just trying to like make a comparison. Oh, I don't know. Can you imagine? Yeah. If you please, everybody, can you please show with your sexy dances? But it's the same with like, it's, it's the same with like the, the YouTube polyglot phenomenon. So people kind of yes. going on YouTube and demonstrating their expertise by speaking 16 languages in a row or something like that. Um, exactly. And it is how it works. You, you, in a way, it's much better. So anyway, I completely interrupted you. And well, so you no, started okay. getting requests yeah. for one-to-one teaching and you started getting yeah. requests for a video course? Exactly. So, uh-huh. so do you I... know how people were using your videos? Oh, sure. Um, you know, what I assume that people were doing was um, watching them, repeating them, pausing them, playing with the speed, you know, making them slower, playing them faster. There's all these different controls that you can do. Um, also, the the YouTube videos are short. I keep them, try to keep them around five minutes, although I have some that are longer, some that are shorter. So people like to watch them on their breaks, you know, maybe their lunch break or coffee break. Um, you know, I'm sure that people are using them in different ways that I'm not even aware of. And that, that actually gives me an idea that I should send out a survey just to see exactly how people are using them. But the basic format is just a quick English tip. You know, um, there's a lot of different things that you could do if you wanted to teach language through video, but I just keep it really straightforward right now. And that format has worked so far, but, you know, I think it's worth experimenting with different formats. You know, like we mentioned storytelling and there's, uh, people who do news through English Mm. and idioms through English and a lot of different things. Yeah. I listen to the news in slow French podcast. So Very that's cool. how I learned. Or I realized yesterday that I can get Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix in French. You can get it in French, German, Portuguese, and Spanish with subtitles and dubbing. Um, oh, awesome. So if you're a Netflix watcher, the show is amazing to start with. It's so fun. Um, but yeah, you can get it in all these languages. So I really love listening cool. to you tell me about how people are actually using the videos. Because I, you know, when you put stuff out there on YouTube... Um, it's kind of you don't really know what people right. do with it or where it ends up. So I really like this. And then I can also, sorry, uh, just to tell you how I use YouTube because yeah. I was recently trying to learn some phrases in Vietnamese because I was in Ho Chi Minh City and a friend of mine makes um, some video resources for Vietnamese. So I was watching his videos. He's Jeremy Ginsburg on YouTube. Yeah. And I was replaying, you know, some very simple phrases, just replaying them three, four or five times. And just being able to have that on repeat is so valuable because if you're working with a teacher or a tutor, I personally would feel bad making them repeat five times (laughs) and I'd feel a little, maybe a little um, not so fast. I wouldn't want them to know that I want them to repeat like five, maybe 10 times. So I like the fact that I can do that on my own time. Just repeat, repeat, repeat with these little phrases. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's interesting. I, I make, I literally, sometimes I make my students do it. Like nice. In, yeah. in, in lessons. And I just, I, instead of the awkwardness, mm. I try to focus on how much better they get each time they say it. And I really well, I, know somewhere doing it as a feedback exercise, but you can't do it good. with every single sentence. You pick out a word that has maybe a lot of common sounds and you use it for pronunciation, but yes. you're right. Videos 
have this huge advantage and I've in my previous podcast I was talking to Angelica Davy, who has, like us two, she has a Udemy course, um, Learning German for Busy People for Business and Holiday, I think it's called. Um, right. And she was saying, you know, the biggest, the best thing about this is people can just get it on demand and they don't have to wait yes. for me to be here. Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, there's ways to even download YouTube videos. I'm not sure, but, you know, you can really take them anywhere. So it's like having, you know, Kirsten or Gabby in your pocket. And that's kind of weird, but it's, you know, it's what you can do. If you want to review a video over and over, it's just so easy. You can learn from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> I love yeah. That's actually in, in, in one of the testimonials for my French course in Udemy. Um, nice. That is exactly what the lady said. It's like having a tutor in my pocket. I oh, think that's really that's fantastic. cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, and, and yeah, I mean, you know, right now, Listener, hmm. dear listener, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, imagine people are listening to us. Um, I recently got feedback from somebody who said, oh, I'm listening to your podcast right now. And she's in she's in North Carolina. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Um, and there's people listening to us in Iceland and in Russia. And hello. Hello. Uh, you know, it, it, hi, everyone, because this is the amazing thing about the internet. And that's why we do what we do. So tell me about... Um, mm. Tell me about self-employment and being independent versus working for um, a language school. Why did you, what made you decide to go independent? Was it this sort ah. of global reach? For me, it's a big part of it. Yes, absolutely. We started talking in the beginning about love for travel. So let's bring it back right to yeah. there. So love I love, love to travel and I originally wanted to become a teacher or a diplomat or just anything that would allow me to travel and see the world or work abroad. And so I was able to work abroad. I worked in Japan for three years and that was amazing. Um, I just, I loved the experience I had, but I found out that I had a schedule that you know, was set by someone else that I couldn't break. And every time I had time off, like, a you know, maybe a winter break or a spring break or whatever, everybody else in most of the world had time off too. So flights went up, you know, um, everything related to travel just got really expensive and tourist attractions got really crowded. And there were also events, um, festivals or cultural events that I wanted to travel for, but they were in the middle of the semester. And so over time, um, also, also realizing I only had, you know, a couple weeks or, you know, at most a month off at a time, which is a lot for most people, but, you know, being a, a professor, you can usually have a month or two off a year still was not enough time for me to feel like I could do what I wanted to do. And so I realized in order to have more freedom to travel when and where I want to do a, a language immersion experience, which you know usually you want to spend more than a week or two immersing yourself in a language and culture. Those are really my goals. And so I was working towards uh, working on my own for myself. I was obsessed with this, you know, for a couple of years. Um, I would say the first couple of years of Go Natural English on YouTube was just kind of experimental, seeing what happened. And then this, the second two years, uh, which would be like 2013, 2014 was just learning how to work for myself online and learning about scaling business, learning about passive income, um, learning just 
how to do business because as an English teacher, I mean, I could talk to you all day about like pronunciation, but I don't know the first thing. Well, I didn't know the first thing about marketing or, you know, payments or, you know, customer service or stuff like that. I mean, I knew a little bit about customer service, but you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I didn't get an MBA and I feel strongly that everybody should get business experience in school or, you know, in real life somehow. That's very interesting. I guess I, I approach this, the whole online teaching thing, I guess, very differently just because I used to work in marketing before Uh in student recruitment, you know, like my job was student recruitment and representing and marketing and I've grown up in a family business. So, uh, and I never, like the thing I had to learn was teaching. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I think that's much better actually, because I'm coming from a teacher background and, you know, I can just teach, 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 like it's nobody's business, but that's great if I want to work for somebody else, but I don't. <laughs> I, I'm really good at making content, but I've had to learn, you know, how to do all the marketing stuff. And I love it. I, I used to think that marketing and money were dirty words and, you know, you should avoid them because they're evil or whatever, like crazy craziness. But I actually love marketing and I, I learned to sort of shift my mindset where, you know, um, I have to how can I say this? Like, I shouldn't be ashamed to tell people how I can benefit them. Um, marketing is not a dirty word. It's actually, I look at it now, like the opposite, like I'm actually harming people if I don't let them know how I can benefit Mm -hmm. them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it has something in common with language in a way, because we were talking earlier about discipline and sharing these, these sort of unique, uh, values or unique is the wrong word, but these sort of incredibly, they're just essential value you just can't you just can't do it without and working for yourself is the same you know and it's discipline and sharing and I also I have I'm also learning this more and more and more the more I sit at home and just produce stuff and don't tell anybody about it um (laughs) the more uh, well to be honest it's 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 the same again as as language learning it gets very frustrating you can't do it by yourself in a room um no and maybe that's why us language people we do I, I know a lot of people who learn foreign languages and you can just see it in the way that we um are built i guess that really you imagine you you grow up wanting something different and you grow up always looking at the boundaries and always pushing against the boundaries and then later in work in a work environment you're also always pushing against the boundaries and that's kind of what somebody who learns foreign languages as an adult is doing as well because you just don't need to if you live in america you don't for your survival you do not need to learn a foreign language this is true time so and uh, brits the same but when you are doing it you are you are furthering your world you're furthering yourself and you just push against the the comfort box and i just really want to say i just admire adult learners so much for that me too absolutely i think it's a shift in your priorities because you know we all have a certain number of hours during the day you know most of us work uh, a good number of them and most of us sleep some of them too and so with your free time um, or your your language yeah your language learning time um you know you prioritize that and I mean, hopefully it would be awesome if you could use your language during work or 
um, you know, dream in your foreign language as well. Uh, but I guess, you know, it's about prioritizing that. And I love when people just prioritize a skill like learning language, because that lets you connect with people and, you know, prioritizing that over, say, like, watching four hours of TV a week because you're not really connecting with people through the television. It's just kind of vegging out, you know, so a little TV is fine, but I always like when you can connect with people and language is a big way to do that. That's true. That's true. Right. That, oh, I, can't, I could talk to you for ages. Let me I know. <laughs> move on to my last question because obviously um, I think if you were not working for yourself, would you be able to travel like you are now? No, no way. No way. So, I mean, it's not easy, but I'm making it work because I'm able to do everything online. And I actually have some face-to-face -face meetups that I do in cities where I have a big audience through YouTube or through the podcast. So there is some, you know, face-to-face -face local interaction, but that's actually from online. So, um, I mean, mm -hmm. to answer your question, absolutely not. If I had a job in a certain city, there's no way I would have the flexibility to travel this much. I mean, it just, it wouldn't work unless it was a kind of job where it was supposed to be working remotely. I mean, I know there are jobs like maybe if you're a copywriter or maybe even working in like online advertising where your company might let you travel if you're not working for yourself or not freelancing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as there, a teacher, there are remote jobs. If you yeah. programmers have have the pick of the bunch there. I mean, yeah, quite a, quite a bit because startups are happy to have you remotely. So, what would be your three tips for location independence? If someone's out there listening and learning a language and thinking, "Oh my God, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, <laughs> Japan, Vietnam, everywhere." So, how how and where? How do you even start? Yeah, where's and your, I, where's I your do... stuff? Where do you live? <laughs> I, I definitely want to give some kind of practical, actionable advice. So I would recommend based off my own experience to just try some shorter trips first. You know, you don't have to jump into the whole location independence thing like 100% right away. I think I was more comfortable taking sort of baby steps. And I remember 2008, which was even before I was online, I spent uh, my summer between teaching high school in Argentina. And um, then I spent, where was it? I went to Brazil for a month more recently. I think it was 2012 or 13. And that was really more when I was testing out like, okay, can I keep up my internet presence while I'm in Brazil? And, you know, just testing out the internet connection, testing out what it would be like to upload videos to YouTube and Very write blog sensible. posts. Yeah. And at that time, you know, I had my regular jobs, so I wasn't really banking on my whole online existence. So um, and I, I wasn't answering to any sponsors or any I didn't have any courses I had to produce at the time. It was really just all on my own schedule. So it was an experiment. So I would look at it as try an experiment. Maybe it's a week, maybe it's a month, maybe it's 10 days. I don't know, whatever you can manage with your current job. Also, I would, what I did is I made a launch, uh, how do you say a, a runway, sorry, a runway where meaning I, for about six months before leaving my regular job, I was making enough from my online work to fully support myself. Aha, uh -huh, that's called a runway. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I recommend doing that if you're kind of a hyper responsible person like I am who doesn't yeah. want to be flat, broken, homeless. <laughs> I like this. So you take prep trips, do a yes. runway. Uh, no runway. And how do you go about choosing where you go? Do you do you look at community? Do you look at where is cheapest? I look at community, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Cheap is good. Cheap is awesome. That is definitely a plus. But my number one is, well, my number one is internet, <laughs> obviously, mm -hmm. unless unless I'm going to, you know, work really hard for a little while and get everything posted online and scheduled and then allow myself, you know, some time off or, you know, there's ways to take time away from the internet, maybe working with assistance, but that's a whole nother episode. What I say is, um, besides internet community is really important. And so, you know, I'm part of a group called the dynamite circle through tropical MBA. And there's a lot of different hubs of studios where there's online entrepreneurs kind of doing their thing, uh, bootstrapping, uh, and wanting to build community to, um, just give each other support and have those conversations like we're having right now. You know, we're, we're talking online, we're in completely different countries, but it would be awesome to meet you in person. You know, hopefully we'll do that someday. It's, it's just completely different when you can have a face-to-face -face chat. And so that's, yes, you know, that's right. what I look for. Yeah. Yes. I just, I have so many these days, I think everybody feels that way. And, um, one of my coolest experiences in online teaching has been to actually meet my student, um, Randy, who was, who's been on a previous podcast as well. He's been really supportive and wonderful and hello, Randy, awesome guy. Um, but I've actually met him in person, met him and his wife. Um, and that was a big part of, you know, what I'm doing. And I've recently met Ollie Richards in person. It's just really nice to see each other and just be able to give you a awesome. hug or something and yeah. talk business. I love it. I love it. Totally. So talk business. Yeah. Uh, some advice for imagine somebody has the settled life and they've got responsibilities and family and perhaps, you know, I don't know, children, grandchildren, uh, a dog. I, mean, I have a cat. Um, <laughs> yeah. So advice for learners who just want that immersion travel. How long is the least that somebody should go abroad to learn a language? How do you avoid people talking to you? in English any any tips for kind of my main tip would maybe be avoid tourism try and right. get a, get an apartment rather than a hotel but that's pretty much where I I, I defer to you really so what, what would yeah. you what would you advise somebody who wants an immersion trip okay so we're assuming that the person can go abroad there's that yes. opportunity to go okay but it's and not it's, so they can't be location independent like next week. Okay, but maybe they're going for two weeks? I guess two weeks is realistic in most people's uh, schedules. Okay, so then once you're in country, what do you do? That's the question? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I mean, definitely kind of avoid people from your own language group as, you know, um, kind <laughs> of snooty as it may seem. Yeah. You have to remember what your priority is. And if they're not willing to be 100% in the target language along with you, um, and it's just so easy to like go back to English or whatever your native language is, I would just say try to avoid that. I would say give yourself a challenge like each day what I do personally is I say every day I'm going to speak with a local in the local language. Um, and every day I'm going to build 
my vocabulary with at least one more word. That's what I was doing in Vietnamese. I was a super beginner, but you know, one word a day was kind of a good challenge for me because I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so those two things and maybe find something in the local culture that you can really get into that you're kind of passionate about and like see, you know, maybe for me, it would be like a dance class. Dance classes have always been really good for meeting locals because it's an activity that doesn't actually require much language ability, but you end up meeting local people anyway. And then, yeah, you can just communicate, you know, in basic terms, like whether it's one, two, three, right, right, left, left, or maybe a, you know, a longer conversation. It depends on your, your language level. I would say those three things would be my top three tips. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds excellent. Those are great, Thanks. great tips. And while we're on the subject of tips, yeah. I would like to um, sort of start beginning to close our wonderful podcast conversation with what oh. I call tips of the week. Um, and I haven't had any angry emails yet. And I am aware that this podcast is not weekly, but there's still tips of the week. So just <laughs> get over it. Tips of the week that you are listening. Uh, <laughs> so the principle of tips of the week is as follows. I have selected and researched three different language learning tips. And my guest, in this case, that's you. And uh, mm. you get to choose your favorite and tell us why Ooh. that is your favorite. Okay. So go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So tip number one is... Practice gist reading and gist reading, or uh, it's sometimes called extensive reading. Uh, it's when you skim through an article or a piece of writing quite quickly and you try to get the gist. So instead of focusing on all the words that you don't understand, focus on trying to see whether you understand the gist, what it's about in principle. That's gist reading. Tip number two. Bulk add your Excel or word lists to memorize. Memorize um, the vocabulary, revision, reviewing, um, SRS uh, engine, I guess that's what it's called, Um, Mm -hmm. language learning website. So Memrise has a bulk add feature. So if if you have been learning for ages and ages and just making your word list, say, in in Microsoft Excel, what you can do is you can import them to Memrise and then without having to reproduce all of the stuff and type it all again, um, you will benefit from all of the features of SRS that Memrise offers. And tip number three is get smarter about video uh, mm-hmm. with Yabla in particular. Um, there are a few systems like this. I think Fluently does it too, but Yabla I've seen and it's great. Um, it's a language immersion site. They give you authentic television, music videos, drama interviews um, in lots of different languages. Currently Chinese, Italian, German, I think they've got Spanish and French as well. Um, And you get an integrated dictionary, a listening game uh, where they make you listen and there's gaps that you have to fill in. Uh, You can slow it right down and it doesn't do that thing where your voice sounds. So it's pitch-corrected slow play um, and dual language subtitles. So it's basically like a souped-up YouTube for language learners. That's Yabla. So our three tips are... Just reading, bulk adding your word list to memorize, or getting smarter about video with Yabla. Those are such good tips, all three of them. You're going to make me choose? Thank you. Yes, <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> but you don't have to. Well, I mean, I would go with the video one because I think if you really want to converse, you need to be hearing the language and, and video helps a lot more because you can see how people's mouths are moving and you can see their facial expressions and stuff like that. But I do, I like all those tips, but I'll, I'll choose video, you know, 
video is pretty awesome. Oh, you're a video girl. Yeah. So I completely agree with that. And then if people want to find me, if you are kind of a language enthusiast, if you're learning any language, um, I have gabbywallace.com. You might be interested in that. Just kind of my personal blogging site about travel and learning language. If you're an online teacher or you're interested in getting started, you know, with your online business, then laptopteacher.com. Um, if you happen to be learning English or, you know, someone who's learning English, that was my original online business I'm still working on, which is gonaturalenglish.com. So kind of three options for three different audience types there. Just making some notes. (laughs) I know it's a lot to keep track of. Laptop teacher. Fantastic. Yeah. But I think that's, it's a natural if, especially if you are starting working for yourself and you really want to give the right information to the right people and not really bore the people who you don't really need to tell the English learners, hey, language teaching. Um, I agree yeah. with you. I think it fits together really well. That's really nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Gabby. And I hope that we're going to have the chance to meet up in Europe. And that Let's is the it. end of episode... Let me have a look. I think we're on episode 17. Awesome. Yeah, Lucky 17, episode 17 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening. And visit our sponsor this week. It's Flashsticks. So that's flashsticks.com slash K-E-R-S-T-I-N. Visit Gabby's website and don't forget to check out the show notes where I have three pages of notes here and I'm going to type them all up for you guys. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S.